Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm Hannah Floor. The southeast section of Kodiak's Tanner Crab Fishery closed at 6 p.m. yesterday, marking the end of this year's commercial fishing season. Nearly 3.5 million pounds of tanner crabs have been caught in the Kodiak District and along the Alaska Peninsula in the weeks since the 2024 fishery opened. That is down from last year's harvest of over 7 million pounds. The Alaska Department of Fish and Games' Nat Nichols is the area manager for commercial groundfish and shellfish fisheries in the Kodiak area. He says this year's tanner crab season lasted just a little bit longer than average. Well, there was certainly a factor this year, more so than last year. We definitely saw a decrease in, in effort on a few days um, due to weather. So, yeah, I would say that it's fair to, fair to say that it extended the season, not by a lot, but maybe by a, you know, maybe by a day or so. According to Nichols, 135 boats registered to fish for tanner crabs this season, although not every boat ended up participating. Fishermen used t- technology such as satellite internet, in-reach devices, and WhatsApp messaging platforms to stay in contact with fish and game on a daily basis while crabbing. It takes some effort. Um, we have a number of staff that come in and take reports, but yeah, lots of texting. So we've, we've had excellent reporting from the fleet. This year we had, um, we had several days where we had 100%, so we were talking to every single boat. The final harvest amount and the number of boats that participated will be released by the department in the coming days. Middle school wrestling teams from all over southeast Alaska flocked to Petersburg last weekend for the Stikine Invitational. Ketchikan Charter School was one of them. It was the team's first tournament ever, and for many of the students, it was their first season on the mat. Jack Darrell stopped by the Huskies' final practice before they came to Petersburg and found that morale was high for southeast Alaska's new underdogs. In a small room in the back of the Ketchikan Rec Center, the Huskies are doing jumping jacks. They are boys and girls, different ages and weight classes with two things in common. They are students at Ketchikan Charter Middle School, and it's their first year wrestling competitively. After jumping jacks, they begin what, to the outside observer, may look like chaos, but not to the three adults in the room. Hannah Bales is one of the coaches. Oh, man, I'm such a geek for wrestling. She gets the wrestlers into two lines. They knee walk and somersault down the length of the room. Next, some of the kids start grappling with each other on the mats. Here, look what I just got. Practices begin January 3rd, but Bales says some of the kids just joined the team and have only practiced a few times. Still, they're getting on the ferry to Petersburg in the morning. We don't have any uh, fancy speedboats like Wrangle and Klawak and Craig. They get to just zip straight over. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long journey, especially some of these kids. I think hasn't this might be their first time away from home without a parent. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Bill says that outside of rough housing with an older sibling, very few of the kids have done this before. For some, wrestling clicked right away. Others have improved significantly over the last month since training began. Determination, I think, is the overall award that I would give this team. Bill says there's no shortage of commitment to the sport. She says one wrestler on the team up until a week ago was flunking a couple of classes. The school wasn't going to let them travel for the tournament, but the student turned it around. Bill says as of last night, they would be on the mat in Petersburg. You know, a lot of these kids have some pretty intense stuff going on at home have intense stuff that's going on at school. Um, 
and the kids who are here right now want to be here. It's also Bale's first year coaching wrestling and a bit of a full circle moment for her. Girls wrestling was not an option for me when I was in high school, but I wanted a wrestler boyfriend. None of them would date me. Um, so then finally, years later, I meet Joey Fama, who's our head coach here, and he, uh, he's been coaching wrestling for forever. Fama is also her husband. The coaching team is a bit of a family affair. The third coach is Nick Fama, Bale's brother-in-law. Joey Fama, the head coach, grew up wrestling and has been a coach for nearly a decade. I mean, this age group's so much fun. I mean, just everybody's learning. We got a lot of new wrestlers, and it's fun just to, you know, see them come into their, you know, form and, and learn about their bodies and how they move, you know. And middle schoolers, they just, they want a rough house, you know. It's just natural for them. So giving them a safe place to do that is awesome. He says wrestling teaches confidence both physical confidence in middle schoolers becoming comfortable with their own bodies and mental confidence that they can overcome hurdles no matter the size. And Fama says this regional tournament may be the biggest hurdle yet. It's the first one's always shocking, you know, just for the kids because they don't really understand how intense it is, you know, going out there and wrestling six minutes. Peyton McElwin is one of the wrestlers head to the tournament. My name is Peyton McElwin. I'm famous now, uh, JK. And um, my first year wrestling. She says wrestling has already helped her beat her biggest opponent, her older brother. And now I can finally throw my brother around, and he's not stronger than me anymore, so that's fun. And she's confident about her chances this weekend as well. I'm really excited for the tournament because I feel like, like, I'm not the strongest, but I'm not the weakest either. So I feel like I'm going to be able to like beat a lot of people and like throw them and learn moves. Her friend Sophie Mecky offers that she may be the weakest, but that hasn't stopped her. I'm probably the weakest on the team and the lightest because I'm like 77 pounds. But like, I feel like I keep getting thrown around because everyone got like 20 pounds on me, but... That's besides the point, and I'm excited for the tournament. On the other end of the spectrum is Malachi Lalea. He's arguably the strongest member of the team. He grew up wrestling with his brothers, and today, to prepare for the tournament, he's sparring with Coach Fama. He's big, aggressive, you know. Uh, he's probably what I expect going to Petersburg. Lalea echoes Coach Bales. He says the team has come a long way in the last month. Whatever happens in Petersburg, they'll be ready. Yeah, I think our team's somewhat prepared. But there's definitely going to be some flaws throughout the season. But I think our team is pretty ready. The next morning, they boarded the ferry. Roughly 60 wrestlers compete in the Invitational. And thanks in part to the girls of Ketchikan Charter School, this was the first year that the Stikine tournament had enough girls for its own division. 11 out of the 13 wrestlers that went to Petersburg placed in the top four of their weight division. And four wrestlers took second place. Malachi Lalea, along with Abby Benson... Ethan Benson, and Piper Beasley. In Ketchikan, I'm Jack Darrell. The Wrangell Sentinel brought on their new reporter and photographer, Mark Robinson, in October. The small weekly newspaper is Alaska's oldest continuously published newspaper. Colette Zarnicki chatted with Robinson to get a glimpse into his life, a rare occasion since he's usually focused on other people's stories. He says his experience in journalism has been interesting. My father was very well known in uh, journalism, broadcast journalism, because he was the anchorman in the D.C. area when I was growing up. And then 
he later um, went to work at ABC News, became the first African-American to regularly host a nightly you know, news broadcast. So his name was very well known, and that can be a little intimidating when you're thinking about going into that sort of field. He cast a long shadow. Where are you from originally? Well, I'm originally from Central Virginia, born in Richmond. I lived in Washington, D.C. for a few years as a toddler uh, until my parents got divorced. But I was always drawn back to Washington, D.C., which I always felt a connection to and lived there for a good long time. I've also spent a couple of years in Fargo, North Dakota, and Minneapolis, St. Paul. Can you talk about your previous journalism work? When I was in Richmond, Virginia, before I ended up moving back to um, the D.C. area, I was uh, working at a public radio station, and I was basically working nights, basically a board operator. And I would just, you know, run the taped shows with doing, like, a little announcement for news and weather and things like that. And it was a taste of something my father originally started also in radio. And he went by his radio name was Mark Cabot, and that's my full name is Mark Cabot Robinson. So, in a way, I'm named after him just differently. He's Max Robinson. I'm Mark Robinson. When I was a little kid, I said I wanted to be Clark Kent so that I could be both a reporter and a superhero because I thought, well, that's the best of both worlds. I basically sort of backed into it because when I was in Fargo, I started doing editorial cartoons. And then when I came back to the D.C. area, I submitted for a job with the Montgomery County Sentinel in Rockville, Maryland. So you're, you draw? I do draw. I'm a cartoonist. I have been ever since I was very little. I love comic books. I love cartoons, animation, anime, manga. I'm a big fan of Charles Schultz's uh, Peanuts comic strip. And every, I basically have a lot of trivia knowledge about all things comics. And in addition, I also love you know to listen to theme songs and movie soundtracks. And what inspired you to come here? I was looking for a change of pace, looking for an adventure. I came late to journalism, but I just felt like I wanted to do more, especially in terms of print journalism. So I just started looking, and I saw an advertisement for the Wrangell Sentinel. They were looking for someone to you know, come in as a reporter, and I went ahead and applied. What does your day look like? at the Sentinel here in Ringel. I get to work and I start looking for things to report on that are happening in town, whether it's related to education, the school board, finding out about what games are going to be played, usually during the weekend, finding feature stories. Would you say journalism is just a work of service? I definitely would. I think that it's not about me. It's about the story. It's about the, the person who's trying to do this thing or that. So I just want to let people know about it and not get in the way of it. Do you have a memorable moment so far that you've experienced here? I've taken photos at the Christmas boat parade, and the picture that got in was one that I felt both lucky and blessed to have gotten of it exploding over a trawler just as it was passing through. And I had a resident 
could stop by the office to pat me on the back, you know, congratulate me on the photo. She thought it was well done, and she just wanted to let me know that, and I was just very struck by that. What is the story that you have worked on that you're proud of? Ooh, that's a good question. story I've worked on that I was proud of. I was proud of being able to report on my first election, which would have been (laughs) back in 2008. You know, you had local elections, and I was just trying to keep everything straight about what was happening. In terms of things here, I liked being able to tell Siler uh, Siler Webster, that's the fourth grader who had the Pokemon collection, I liked being able to talk about that because I'm not a Pokemon collector, but I like anime, and I like being able to tell a little bit of the history of Pokemon because it's actually gotten that old now where it's like, you know, it started in 96, and here we are in 2024, so... It's almost, what, it's about 30 years old now. I imagine you are a people person. In some ways, yes. I'm I'm something of an introvert, and I was very shy as a kid. But there's a part of me that's kind of like a performer. Another one of the jobs I once did in a variety of different things, I've worked in bookstores, but I also used to do a lot of storytelling, especially for young children. Young children. And when I was working at Borders Books and Music, which went out of business about 15 years ago, they had a children's section, and I used to do story time, like, every Thursday. And I would have, like, you know, a packed audience of getting young kids to clap and cheer or, you know, sing songs with me. Anything else you'd like to add? If whoever works the movie theme songs at KSDK ever needs, like, a hand, I'm open to, like, helping out because I have, like, a whole collection of just the most esoteric, you know, theme songs. People don't even like that's still around or, you know, things like that. So that's one thing. And I would like to maybe write like a great mystery novel one of these days. That was Brangle Sentinel's new reporter, Mark Robinson, speaking with Colette Zarnicki. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.